to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Well, hello everybody and welcome or welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. My name is Tim Alford and I'm going to be your host for our conversation today. If this is your first time uh, listening to the Limitless Leadership Podcast, hey, welcome along. This is a conversation where uh, we listen to youth ministry practitioners and, and, and thinkers to, to help us grow in our practice and develop as leaders. Now, since our last episode, there's, well, at least if you're a, a UK listener, there's been some good news, hasn't there? Uh, the, the home nations uh, in various forms that ha- have plans for the easing of lockdown restrictions. It looks like, you know, 21st of June, potentially there's a kind of carrot dangled there of if everything goes to plan, our restrictions all might be lifted by then. But even before that, you know, we're, we're looking at potentially end of March where we can gather groups of young people outdoors and possibly as early as the 12th of April when we can gather young people indoors again and I know it's slightly different around all of the home nations but it's exciting news nonetheless but I think it should come with a little bit of a warning because as restrictions ease and things begin to open up again the easiest thing for us to do would be to jump straight back into the thing that we knew before to return to our patterns and and, and programs because we know how to do them and because we've missed them. But God has been teaching us some things, hasn't he, Uh, over this period of lockdown? And and, and I don't want us to to miss the lessons, to, to miss the things he's been showing us and revealing to us and teaching to us by simply returning to what we had before. It is a new world, isn't it? And we want to go into this keeping in step with the spirit go into this post covid or at least post lockdown world right on the coattails of the lord's agenda and so for that reason i wanted to share with you today a talk that i did at limitless leaders now limitless leaders is our annual gathering of youth and and children's workers this year we we did that online And and I spoke to our leaders in the opening session about four shifts that I believe we need to make as we do youth ministry in this new world. I'm going to share that with you in this episode. And then in following episodes, we're going to uh, interview some some youth leaders, some practitioners and thinkers about uh, how these shifts are uh, impacting their thinking and and will be impacting their youth ministries going forward. So hope you enjoy the episode. This is Ministry in the New World. In the spring of last year, we found ourselves in a whole new world, didn't we? Many of the things that we'd come to rely upon in youth and children's ministry, they were gone. We had to quickly adapt to find new approaches, to adopt new technologies as we sought to continue to give our best for the children and the young people that we serve. And we did give our best, didn't we? I mean, we we gave our best to uh, adjust to new guidelines, to navigate new lockdown measures, to stay connected from a distance. And all the while, we were hoping longing for the day that life would return to normal. But, you know, somewhere deep down, 
Even now with vaccines being distributed across the world, somewhere deep down, we know, we know it can't return to normal. We know it won't return to normal. That returning to normal is simply not an option. Why? Because something deeper has been going on in these days than, than a global health pandemic and social distancing. God has been moving. God has been speaking. God has been pruning. God has been leading. We are in a new world. And as such, I believe that many of the models that served us in the old world will not continue to serve us in the new. So our job then as leaders, our job as leaders in 2021 is not to try and recover what we had before. Our job is to find out what God is doing now and join in. And, and this is what Limitless Leaders 2021 is all about. We are here to consider together, both practically and prophetically, how you and I can do effective youth and children's ministry in this new world. And with that in mind, I want to share with you uh, something of a picture that the Lord gave to me uh, towards the start of the first lockdown last year. And it was a picture of a big red helium balloon. It was actually bigger than this one, but you know, we're all facing budget cuts right now, aren't we? Uh, so in this picture, I saw this red helium balloon and it was large. Uh, it was bright. It was shiny. It was helium, of course. So it uh, raised up above everything else. It was the, the, the biggest, it was the brightest, and it was the most visible thing in the room. And I would come to understand that this balloon represented the things that, that you and I and that we in the church have have traditionally placed the most value upon and given the, the most and the best of our time and energy and resource too. And they tend to be the things that are the most visible. But then, as I watched, the balloon popped. And I would come to understand that this represented the, the pandemic, where all of those things, all of those things that we've come to rely upon that we place so much value upon, that we gave so much of our energy to, overnight, they were gone, weren't they? But then I, I, I looked down, and you know how it is when a balloon pops and the, the kind of shards, the wreckage of it are all over the floor. And I, and I looked down, and in amongst the wreckage, I noticed there a tiny little nugget of gold. And the thing that the Lord said to me as I saw that is, he said that the, the new thing I am doing is a lot less visible, but of infinitely more value. And so the following months for me then became a process of digging for gold, trying to discern specifically the new things that this nugget of gold represented. And the Lord began to speak to me over the period of the next few months about some shifts that we need to make, shifts from the red balloon to the nugget of gold, if we want to do a, a, a effective youth and children's ministry, if we want to effectively reach and disciple children and young people in this new world. And so I, I want to start our time together at Limitless Leaders by sharing four of those shifts with you. So what are the shifts that we need to make? What are the shifts that need to occur in order for us to 
do effective youth and children's ministry in this new world. Well, the first shift that I believe needs to take place is from program development to people development, from program development to people development. You know, I believe that this pandemic has exposed a significant problem with our models of youth and children's ministry, and it is a discipleship problem. And this has been revealed by the fact that across demographics and and across denominations, the, the number of young people engaging with our online programs has kind of gradually diminished, and the people on the peripheries have have disappeared and we've been left with a faithful core. And it showed us that our models have been effective in creating spaces where where, where children and young people feel loved and valued and they feel part of a community, but not so effective in making robust, resolute, independent disciples of Jesus. You know, one leader said to me, that the pandemic has revealed that we, the fact that we gather people has created the illusion that we are making disciples. That we've mistakenly come to believe that what happens when we gather represents the vitality of our mission. And whilst this pandemic has certainly shone a light and exposed the reality of the, this, this discipleship problem, the truth is, that it's been an issue for far longer than a year, as, as the studies have repeatedly showed again and again. So, for example, there was one study of 11,700 churches that showed that 48% of churches, nearly half of churches in the UK, have fewer than five under 16-year-olds. Uh, the, the English Church Attendance Survey revealed that on average churches were losing were losing 140 young people aged 14 to 16 every single week that's that's a decline of 7820 14 to 16 year olds every year and to view it starkly 95% 95% of under 18 year olds in the UK do not go to church When you consider the data, when you consider this evidence, it's almost impossible to disagree with Reggie McNeil when he makes this statement. No one can legitimately claim that our current model produces vibrant disciples. And yet, in the face of this brutal reality, we've continued to employ the same models of ministry that haven't been working for years. Well, what are the models that, that I'm talking about? What are, what are the models to which I'm referring? Well, Chap Clark, he really gets to the heart of the problem when he, when he says this. Youth ministry, and I think we could legitimately uh, include children's ministry, in practice has become an event planning. So true, isn't it? Has become an event planning and volunteer recruiting and training managerial position to maintain programmatic integrity of the institutional expectations of what youth and children's ministry is supposed to look like. 
And friends, I really believe that if we want to effectively reach and disciple children and young people in the new world, we're going to have to make a shift away from this reality and to take a, a shift in emphasis from program development to people development. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying, because I'm not saying that a, that a ministry program is inherently wrong in and of itself. Neither am I saying that you shouldn't have any ministry programs. Of course, I'm not. But what I am saying is that our programs become problems when they become so high maintenance that they demand all of our time and our energy and our resource simply to keep them running from one week to the next. And when we, in turn, as youth and children's ministers, become little more than program managers. Because when that happens, we find that we no longer have the time to invest deeply in the people that the programs are designed to serve. But friends, please hear me. Our programs can never be an adequate substitute for discipleship. We make a mistake when we outsource the discipleship of our people to the programs that we're running, thinking that, you know, if people attend our events and courses, then this will automatically result in strong disciples, as though our presentations and our curriculum will do the discipling for us. So what's the alternative to this? Is, is there a different way? Is there a way we can approach this differently? Well, I just love what Mike Breen says, and he absolutely nails it when he says this. The Western church has been trying to do discipleship through curriculum for years and years. We've come up with some of the best, the most exciting, innovative, gorgeously designed discipleship curriculum ever seen in human history. And it's great stuff. But did Jesus do discipleship this way? No. He didn't do discipleship. Here it is. He didn't do discipleship through information alone. He coupled it with what? Access to his life so his disciples could imitate him. That's the way of Jesus. We live into that by giving others access to our life and offering ourselves as a living, breathing example to imitate. Simply put, it's proximity before program. And when we get this right, our programs can serve us, but only when they function as an attachment to a pre-existing discipling relationship. Friends, I really believe that it's time for us to face the fact that attendance and discipleship is not the same thing. And to respond to this reality by shifting our emphasis from program development to people development. That's the first shift that I need, that I believe we, we must make in these days. And the second, the second shift from, from the red balloon to the nugget of gold is from a few gifted leaders to the priesthood of all believers. From a few gifted leaders to the priesthood of all believers. You know, I believe that. One of the reasons we have failed to produce robust disciples 
is because our ministry models dictate that the majority of our children and young people are passive consumers rather than active participants. And as such, they're not afforded the opportunity to discover and develop and exercise their spiritual gifts, unless that is they have the type of gift that lends itself to propping up our pre-existing models, gifts like singing or music or preaching. And this is a problem because just like a muscle, if a gift is an exercise, it cannot be strengthened and therefore it results in weak and fragile disciples. You know, I, I once saw uh, Ryan Holmes, who's with us. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> I once saw Ryan Holmes. He, he, he tweeted this. He said, if the youth aren't doing the ministry, it's not youth ministry. And I'm not usually so affected by Twitter, but I got to say that one really got to me. And, and Ryan, it's been challenging me uh, ever since I, I, I read it that day. If the youth aren't doing the ministry, it's not youth ministry. But you know, as I've reflected on it, I've come to understand that it's not as narrow as simply if the youth aren't doing the preaching and singing, then it's not youth ministry. But more like if your children and young people are not discovering, developing, and using their gifts to minister to one another, then it's not children's or youth ministry. And so, friends, we've got to address this incongruence that exists between our theology and our practice, because theologically, we'd all say yes and amen to 1 Corinthians 12, 7, which says that to each one, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, where in practice, only the most gifted, or perhaps more likely, the most relevantly gifted, are allowed to participate. We know that um, Francis Chan is not the kind of guy who pulls any punches, and he doesn't pull any punches when uh, addressing this particular inconsistency either. Here's, here's what he says. He says, I'm assuming that your church's doctrinal statement says something about every believer using his or her spiritual gifts to manifest the Holy Spirit. It's good theology. But let me ask you this. Does your church structure convey a different theology? Does your structure demonstrate that the gift of every believer matters? Or does it suggest that only the gifts of the teaching pastor, a couple of ministry leaders, and a few musicians matter? If so, you're functioning with a heretical structure. I told you didn't put any punches. Your heretical structure almost certainly speaks louder than your orthodox theological statement. The theology that matters is not the theology we profess, but the theology we practice. The truth is, we can only build strong, resilient disciples of Jesus if the people we are discipling are given the opportunity to discover and develop their gifts. And so I can't help but wonder, you know, I can't help but shape the feeling. Have we chosen the quality of our programs over the development of our people. And so, if our objective, and of course it is, is to make lifelong disciples of Jesus, I believe we must shift our emphasis from a few gifted leaders to the priesthood of all believers. 
All right, well, what about the third shift? What about the third red balloon to nugget of gold shift? Well, the third shift in emphasis, I believe, that needs to take place is this, from mono-generational to multi-generational, from mono-generational to multi-generational. We, we spoke earlier, didn't we, about the trend that we've noticed uh, during uh, this coronavirus pandemic of young people gradually disengaging from our online programs. Now, the noteworthy element of this trend that we didn't discuss earlier was the fact that the first young people who disengaged from our online programs were those who are not connected to the church via their parents or families. And I really believe this is a critical reflection because what it demonstrates to us in no uncertain terms is that children and young people need spiritual parents more than spiritual programs. And I'm therefore convinced that, that if we're going to do effective youth and children's ministry in this new world, then we will need to make a shift from a mono-generational emphasis that looks, you know, kind of like a classroom with a, a whole ton of children and young people and a couple of adult facilitators to a more multi-generational approach that looks a little more like family. Reggie McNeil makes this really interesting observation. He says that the program-driven church has created separate generational silos in the church experience from worship services to religious education to activities, even community service and mission engagements. It's quite possible for families in the program church not to share any common experiences during a day at church. Now, this may keep consumers busy, but it doesn't do a thing for people's development. People often grow more in intergenerational environments. That's why God created families. We come into this world and learn our most fundamental life lessons in an intergenerational setting. And then he says, there is something profoundly abnormal going on when spirituality is detached from this natural dynamic. And so... I believe that we need to refocus our attention in the years ahead as children's and youth leaders to raising up spiritual parents with an intense commitment to passing on the gospel to the next generation. And this will mean that you and I will need to resist the over-professionalization of youth and children's work in order to create ministries that feel more like families than clubs. You know, I just love how the Apostle Paul describes his ministry philosophy. This is quickly becoming one of my favorite verses in all the scripture. Here's how he describes his ministry philosophy. He says, just as a nursing mother cares for her, what? Children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives as well. And, you know, this kind of philosophy was, was commonplace for rabbis who would refer to, to their disciples using the Hebrew word banner, which doesn't mean apprentice or student, but children. Now, once again, please don't hear what I'm not saying. Because I'm, of course, not saying that there's no longer any place for our more traditional kind of mono-generational gatherings of children or of young people. Of course not. We all enjoy spending time with people who are in the same age group of ourselves. 
But could you just imagine a, a youth or a children's ministry where you had a spiritually mature, spiritual parent for every two or three young people in your uh, ministry, in your church community? Could you imagine a, a spiritual parent for a, a small group of children or young people like that? Who, who was committed to a long-term journey of investing their lives into raising them up as spiritual sons and daughters. I mean, how much more effective could our disciple-making be if we were to give our attention in the days and in the years ahead to raising up spiritual parents with an intense commitment to passing on the gospel to the next generation? What if? We changed our emphasis from monogenerational to multi-generational. And the final shift, the final shift I want to talk to you about today before we wrap up our first session is from sit and watch to signs and wonders. From sit and watch to signs and wonders. Okay, so I need to start this last one with a little bit of confession, a little bit of confession time for me up front. You know, when we began to enter into this first lockdown and you and I all began moving our children's and youth ministries online, I thought to myself, perhaps somewhat arrogantly, that we were going to sail through it. I, I thought to myself, you know what? I've got kids. They spend all their time on iPads. You know, I, I do youth ministry. Yeah, I spend time with young people. They're spending all of their time online, on their phones on their socials, they are going to take to this like ducks to water. No problem. But I couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> because you know, the thing that I didn't see coming, the thing that I didn't see coming was that by moving online, we were placing ourselves in direct competition with all of the things that the world does and often does better. Because the reality is, you know it, there's always a better YouTube video. There's always a more interesting Insta Live going on. There's always a funnier TikTok. And so by going online, our ministries kind of became just another online option amongst countless others. And that was a battle that we were never likely to win. And by the way, if we have come to believe that our most effective strategy for disciple making is to make the best YouTube video, or the best Instagram page, then friends, something has gone severely wrong. And we need to spend a little bit less time online and a little bit more time in our Bibles. Because as followers of Jesus, we do have something with which the world cannot compete. We do have something for which the world cannot offer a compelling substitute. What is it? Signs and wonders. The supernatural power of God at work, in and through spiritually vibrant communities of faith. There's no substitute for that in the world. You know, I remember last year at, here, here at Limitless Leaders in this building, one of our speakers provocatively asked us, hey, what's more attractive for a young person? The fact that you've got a PS5 or the fact that you prayed for somebody to get out of a wheelchair and they did? I wonder if perhaps the 2021 version of that same question is, you know, what's more attractive for a young person? The fact that your YouTube video is fire or that the fire 
of the Holy Spirit showed up in your Zoom room as your young people began to prophesy over one another. No contest, no contest. I, I love how James Emery White makes this link between evangelism and discipleship and signs and wonders. This is what he says. He says, whenever I speak on the missional challenge of our day, particularly overseas, I'm often asked where signs and wonders fit into things. And the more I've reflected on this topic, the more I believe it may fit quite strategically. Too many Christians have stripped their faith of its supernatural elements, whittling the spiritual dynamic down to quiet times and promptings. Theologically, we believe in miracles and healings and pray for them regularly. Functionally, not so much. Yeah, biblically, this is so good. Biblically, the primary role of a, a miracle or sign or wonder is to authenticate biblical revelation in fresh missional settings. And we see this, don't we, time and again throughout the scripture, we see that the purpose of the miracle is to reveal Jesus to people. That the fruit of the supernatural is that somebody follows Jesus or somebody believes in him or somebody puts their faith in him or the news about him begins to spread. And so perhaps this year at Limitless Leaders, I can take my turn to ask us to consider a provocative question. How distinctly Christian are our youth and children's ministries, I wonder? How expectant are we that, that, that God will do something in our gatherings that no amount of lighting could ever manufacture? You know, I sometimes can't help but shake the feeling that perhaps some of our youth groups or children's groups could function just the same as they are now if the Holy Spirit wasn't there. But friends, this cannot be. This must not be because it is in the encounter that the young person's faith comes alive. It's in the first-hand experience of his presence that that child's life is transformed forever. And so, so we must make this shift from from youth and children's ministries where young people sit and watch programs that are presented to them, to those which facilitate transformational encounters in which and through which the Holy Spirit can work in them. And once again, we see how Paul described this very principle as central to his ministry philosophy. Here's, here's what he said. He said that my message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. We're not with wise and persuasive words, sit and watch, but with what? A demonstration of the Spirit's power, signs and wonders. Why, why is it so important? Why is it so important that, that your foundation of, of your ministry was this? It's so that, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I mean, it's all there, isn't it? It's all here in the scripture. If we want our children, if we want our young people to have a resilient faith that lasts, then it must be built on the foundation of God's power. We must have ministries that make space for a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So let's make this shift. Let's make this shift from sit and watch to signs and wonders. These are some of the shifts 
that I believe we must make now in order to do effective youth and children's ministry in the new world. But just before we finish, I want to take you back one more time to the red balloon and the nugget of gold. Because there was one more thing that the Lord showed me through this picture that I, that I didn't share with you at the start. I shared with you how the Lord said to me that the new thing I'm doing is a lot less visible, but of infinitely more value. But the other thing that the Lord showed me is that the one thing that we must not do, that we must not do, is to pick up the shards of the balloon and try and piece it back together in an attempt to recover what we had before. Friends, this is a new world. And many of the approaches that served us in the old world are no longer fit for purpose in the new. And so you and I together, we must take hold of what the Lord is doing now and join in. Friends, you know, you know this. The central task of children's ministry, the central task of youth ministry is to create, develop, and raise up unshakable followers of Jesus. And if we want to do this effectively, I believe there are some shifts that we need to make, some shifts in emphasis from program development to people development, from a few gifted leaders to the priesthood of all believers, from mono-generational to multi-generational, and from sit and watch to signs and wonders. I want to finish this opening session with something of a manifesto that I've written for youth and children's ministry in this new world. Now, we can't respond, we can't stand, uh, we can't come forward, but what, maybe what we can do is if something of this is resonating in your heart as, as I'm reading it, then maybe you could just drop a little amen into the chat as we go. Here's what it says. We are not seeking to make crowds or converts or believers, but followers. Because we acknowledge that raising thousands of consumers is not success. And so we will not confuse gathering crowds with making disciples. We will not confuse bigger with better. We will not confuse production value with excellence. We will not confuse what is visible with what is valuable. We will not build on the gifting of a charismatic leader but on the priesthood of all believers. We will create pathways for every believer to discover and develop their gifts. We will release leaders by structuring things in a way that requires others to lead. We will rely on his presence, not our performance, to gather new people. Our missional multiplication will rely on fired-up disciples fueled by the energy of white-hot faith, not resources fueled by fundraising or gatherings fueled by entertainment. We will build on the principles of family, not of business. We will prioritize raising over recruiting. We will build communities that share life together, not just services together. We will subvert our personal preferences for the sake of those younger in age and faith. We will be spiritual parents. 
with an intense commitment to passing on the gospel to the next generation. We are a family on mission, not professionals doing a job. We will make space for his presence. We will listen for his voice. We will expect miracles. We are followers of the way. We are a family of soldiers. We will find out what God is doing and join in. Well, I hope those thoughts have been helpful to you today as we seek to do effective and fruitful youth ministry in this new world. And you know, I really believe that as troubling and as tragic as this time has been, it will not return to us void because the Lord has been showing us some things that will help us to more effectively reach and disciple young people, to raise up robust independent interdependent followers of jesus in the days to come thank you for all that you're doing to serve young people i I say it every time and i make no apology for it what could you give your life to that is more important than passing on the gospel to the next generation so don't give up keep going because what you are doing is important If these thoughts have been helpful to you today and and this podcast is helpful to you as as you seek to reach and disciple young people where you are, then why not share it uh, with another youth leader you know, rate it and review it on uh, whatever app you use to access your podcasts. That will just help it to get out there to, to the people whom it will serve. God bless you guys and I'll look forward to seeing you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast.